0: The theme this week is, Are You Ready? And I have mentioned each and every uh, lesson, if I remember correctly. You probably heard those words before you left the house. Someone says, Are you ready? And you know where you were going. You know you had to get ready in order to uh, uh, come to services. Uh, I heard someone last night as, as they were leaving, they said, Are you ready? And I thought, Yeah, that means we're ready to leave. I uh, appreciate you not leading any of you song leaders leading ready to suffer thus far. <laughs> but that was the first lesson. I am ready to preach the gospel. I wonder sometimes about myself. Am I ready to preach the gospel? Have I, Have I got to that point that I can preach it properly? Many have... In my judgment, have reached that point, but sometimes there are those that have the attitude as of I have arrived. (laughs) It is hard to deal with folks like that. I have arrived, so listen to what I have to say. I hope and pray that I don't give that kind of attitude across to anyone. I'm ready to preach the gospel. You know, we're going to first uh, to first, yeah, to first Romans. That's where we're going to Romans, the first chapter. In uh, verse 14, Paul said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And he said, Why? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein, that's in the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Are we ready to preach the gospel? You, brother, brother Russ mentioned last night, I know we're not all preachers. But yes, we are. Let, let, me, let me explain that. I hope that you keep me preaching the gospel. And if you don't know the gospel, you're not going to keep me preaching the gospel. I can stand here and preach anything I want to. I like uh, a thing I read. I believe um, brother Darrell Broking. Some of you may know him or know of him. He posted uh, something that uh, maybe it was last night on the internet, and it says, uh, "I found something God left out of the Bible." Said in my opinion. <laughs> and sometimes we think our opinion is more valuable than the scriptures than the gospel but it's not are we ready to preach the gospel you know so many will get so angry and the cause problems within the church cause difficulties because you won't accept my opinion my opinion that's not going to get you to heaven but it can very well keep you out of heaven So we need to back what we teach and what we preach with the gospel. And whoever stands in this pulpit or teaches Bible class or whatever, you need to be listening. I don't know if you know this or not, but I could teach you error. Would you recognize it if I did? So you see, you are preaching the gospel if you are on your toes with the the truth. On the first Pentecost after the Lord's resurrection, the apostles preached there, and that's all of them preaching in Acts chapter 2. And of course, Peter's sermon is the one that we have recorded. And at the end of the sermon, the question was asked, what shall we do? You know, it's like, I'm guilty of all that you said, Peter and the others, what shall I do? What do I need to do? Well, the gospel had been preached. The church began with about 3,000 on the first day, according to Acts 2, verse 41. Verse 47 says, The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And during the many centuries since then, there have been divisions and factions of the body of Christ that have hindered the growth immensely. We have them today. They have their opinions they want to bind their opinions on everyone else they're destroying the, the lord's body they're destroying the church. I don't know if they realize it or not, I think they do, but you know we wish we could have unity. we wish we would set our opinions aside. you know that that hindrance will is continuing today, and I guess it well i I know it will continue as long as the earth shall stand we um We read in 1 Timothy 4 in in verse... uh, Well, no, let's not go to 1 Timothy. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Of course, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 is a good place to start as well. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly or plainly, that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, and then it goes on to name some of the things that they will begin to teach. Well, I've made this mistake before, and and I would imagine uh, a lot of folks have. They've said that you can't find denominationalism in the Bible. There it is. It's there. It says there will be divisions. Remember, Paul told those uh, elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, that of their own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. There's denominationalism. It's not right. It's just like the Bible speaks of Satan throughout, but he's not right. And denominationalism is not right either. Those that are listening over the internet, I hope and pray that you'll take this with the right attitude. I'm not here to blast anyone, but I'm here to preach the gospel it's god's power to say not my opinion not what the majority thinks but we have to preach the gospel about 200 years ago in our country there was a movement that began to encourage people to go back to the bible and restore the church not to add to the division but go back to the bible You don't go all the way back. And there were some in our country that attempted to do that, and some of them did, and some of them didn't. They went partially the way back, and some did not go all the way back, and we'll not get into that discussion. But this restoration plea is continuing today. Let's restore the church that we read about in the Bible. And the only way we can do that is to preach the gospel. That's the only way. And nothing but the gospel. We can't add to it nor take from it. We can't put our opinions in there. We, it's alright to have uh, opinions, but you know, we can't bind them on others. You know, we want, our desire is to follow Christ and not to follow man. John 12 verse 26 says, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him, him will my father honor. You know, it's always appropriate for us to pause and take stock of where we are. We may be looking at the wrong thing many times, and sometimes we we make decisions based on the the wrong thing. Sometimes we don't get the the complete or full story, and we make uh, uh, decisions based on that. I remember Brother Richard Curry used to always tell us, "Boy, don't make a decision on a blue day." I didn't heed that information or heed that uh, advice very much along the way, but you know you'll think about it. think about it tomorrow. Think about it next week. Don't make a decision on a blue day when everything is wrong. And so we need to stop and uh, stop each and every day and take stock of where we are as individuals. Where are we as the church? You know, we begin with a Scripture that Jesus spoke while He was upon earth. He said in Luke 18, verse 8, I tell you that He will avenge them speedily, and nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on earth? Jesus is basically asking this question. I'm establishing the church in this generation, and, and will it survive until I return? Well, yes, it will. There's no doubt about it. You can even go back to the book of Daniel when it prophesied the church in Daniel two forty four and it says that that uh, the, the and and of course that's a, a whole lengthy study, that would take up my time, but go to Daniel two forty-four and it's interpretation of the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, and it says in, in verse forty-four, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed now that's encouraging isn't it matthew 16 verses 13 through 18 there were those that uh, uh, were saying this that and the other and jesus uh, asked the question he says who do men say that i the son of man am and of course the answer was well some say that you're elias and or jeremiah one of the prophets And he asked his disciples, his apostles, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church will be here when the Lord returns. We can be assured of that. You know, many have gone astray. Many congregations have gone astray. But the church will still be here when the Lord returns. On many occasions, we've probably stood in respect at funerals, and we've heard the words of First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. It says, "...For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel." with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds and to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Well, those that are alive and remain will be caught up together. There's the church. It's going to be here when the Lord returns. These passages are saying when the Lord returns He will find faith on the earth. but, there's no guarantee that any single congregation that now is in existence will be in existence when Christ returns. I started to say something the other night, and I guess I didn't finish it about the wisdom of God go, uh, telling us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You see, the gospel is being lost in our nation, and we do not it's right in front of our noses, and we don't see it. But guess what? Missionaries like, what's his name over here? has gone into other nations, they can bring it back to us. Isn't that encouraging? If it it were lost, they can bring it back to us. That's God's wisdom. That's why He wants us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's no certainty that any church in any location will move on into future generations, and that disturbs me. I don't know about you, but it, it bothers me. Are we concerned about where our uh, our children and our uh, uh, grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, are they going to have a place to worship? We need to be concerned, don't we? We need to stand to the truth and preach the gospel. We need to provide for them the truth and nothing but the truth. And it takes all of us preaching the gospel in order to do that. It is possible that the Lord's church will survive, will survive in other nations more than in our own. I didn't look this up, but I, I've been told is that Africa has more members of the church or India has more members in the church than we do. Does anybody know? Both. Both? Isn't that sad? In the, in, from the respect of us, it's not sad that it's, that it's growing. It's great that it's growing. But it's really sad because all of the statistics that you read about uh, gospel preachers, they're more concentrated in this nation than anywhere in the world. And we have less than two other nations of members of the church. So evidently, we're, we're not ready to preach the gospel. We haven't continued to preach the gospel. I don't want to be pessimistic in this, but I need, uh, we need to be realistic, don't we? There are many encouraging things about the church. You know, we have preacher training schools and campaigns and lectureships. We have the internet. We have gospel meetings. We have online, uh, what's, what's that thing called, On, uh, <laughs> O-A-B-S? O-A-B-S. <laughs> You could go online and and, and get and learn the Bible. You know, in so many ways, so many written things today, but yet, yet it seems that we are less and less informed. It's like, well, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else do it. Let somebody else do it. I've had that attitude before. Let somebody else do it. I've been asked to speak on lectureships and gospel meetings. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Then I thought, well, why not? I can do it. I need to do it. And we all need to do that. We need to be participating. Because if we do not continue to preach the gospel, then what's going to happen to the church in our particular location? I have a sheet here on statistics. I don't even know what year it is. It's very old, and I'll not deal with it very much. But the, um, there's a crisis in evangelism. The church is literally dying in our nation. This particular statistical sheet says that uh, it says congregations over 4,000. At the time, there there was one. I don't know if there's any over 4,000 today that have 4,000 members. Most congregations today have less than 100, don't they? That says says volumes, really. These these statistics here probably hold true even today, that uh, in uh, the state of California, they estimate there's about one-tenth of one percent of people that are members of the church. It might be less than that now. Well, yeah, I could read all of these statistics, but let's get serious here. Let's get into Bible Belt. What about Memphis, Tennessee? There's churches everywhere. I think there's probably 80 congregations in Memphis in the surrounding area or the metropolitan area Two and a half percent are members of the church. That's sad. Nashville, Tennessee, oh, we're going to get a big whopping percentage out of Nashville, aren't we? I mean, that's it. Some people think that that's the, the uh, center for the church, but, you know, there's the center for the church is heaven, isn't it? But they have a whopping eight percent members of the church. And then if you start uh, really investigating and getting in deeply, somebody might say, well, you know, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find a sound congregation in that area. Now that's getting sad, isn't it? In 1976, it was estimated the church in the United States had about, had about two and a half million members in 2003 is the last statistic that I have, less than half of the, the two and a half million here in the United States. Yes, there's a crisis in evangelism. There's a crisis of growth in the, and, 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 or the lack of growth. We have our marching orders. They're no different than they've ever been. Matthew 9, 36-38, Jesus saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. That's the way the church is today. How many congregations do you know of that have elders? How many congregations that are sound that you know of that have elders? I, I was telling someone the other day I had a deacon to come up to me one time. They they had had elders there for about a year and a half. And he says, You know, we didn't have all these problems when we didn't have elders. I looked at him with a sad look and said, Well, do you know why? He said, No. I said, Because nothing was being handled. Nothing was being taken care of in the spiritual sense. And so when you start handling the... The uh, departures from the truth and individuals that are unfaithful, yes, it's going to produce problems. Preaching the Word produces problems. We, were, we know what it did with Jesus, don't we? We know what it did with practically all of the apostles. We know what it did with Christians uh, in the first century with all of the persecution. Yes, stand on the truth, but you know, why are we afraid of the truth? Jesus said, it, to, to uh, gave that invitation in, in Matthew 28 and verse 19, He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Well, somebody else can do that. No, you know, each of us needs to do that. Mark 16, verse 15, He said to go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature, to everyone, everybody. You know, we uh, I heard someone say, that you go to Walmart and there's two lines open and it's backed up and everybody's furious and so on and so forth. He says, uh, they said, uh, why don't you just say to the person that's frustrated, you're going to talk about something anyway, say, where do you attend services? Where do you go to worship? It doesn't matter what they say. You'd say, well, you could still say, well, that's good. You know, I attend so-and-so. Why don't you come worship with me sometimes? We'd be glad to have you. they think, wow. Never had anyone to ask me that. Let me tell you what happened to me one time. I was on, working on a golf course and I was running that big old machinery down through there and had to stop, you know, because some players came up and just as soon as I stopped, I noticed out of the corner of my eye a golf cart flying up beside me and he'd go a guy flew up beside me, stopped his golf cart and he said, do you know that Jesus loves you? I was shocked. I would never had anyone to ask me that. He was not a member of the church, but... You know, there are ways that we can evangelize today. You know, just because we don't jump on someone because of their beliefs right at the beginning doesn't mean that we're, we're compromising. Do you attend services? Yes. Do you attend all the time? Yeah. Well, that's great. You know, we live in a day and time that people are not really interested in religion. It's good to run into someone that is interested in religion today why, would you be interested in studying the bible with me or us studying the bible together? They'd be shocked at first. They think <laughs> nobody's ever asked me that. You know, after nearly nearly 2000 years since the church began, nearly 200 years since the plea was to let's go back to the bible, we've not accomplished the job, have we not? And I believe the reason is because I don't think we... Of course, evangelism is the part, uh, uh, part of it, but it's because we're not preaching the gospel. We're not ready to preach. Christ prayed in John 17. You know, people always talk about, do you pray the Lord's Prayer? And they never mention John 17. Now, that's the Lord's Prayer in John 17. He said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which uh, shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. How many is one? It's one. It's not two. It's not a thousand different religious groups. It's one. He says, As one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Division, religiously, Sends a signal out there. That I don't want to have anything to do with religion. You ever heard anyone say, "Well, I don't know which church is right," and it's really sad today. There, people are even saying now, "I don't know which Bible is right," because all of the garbage that is out there in the translations, NIV being the top of the list, that not even a good commentary, but people carry it as the Bible is is chock full of error, And if you want a tract on that, I'm sure we can get you a copy of that if you'll read it and study it and be honest with yourself. But Jesus' prayer was that they all may be one as Thou, Father, art in Me and I in thee, that they may be one in us. That's our plea today. We want everyone to be united. The only way you can be united is on the Scriptures, preaching the Gospel. Am I ready to preach the gospel? D- division obviously is not pleasing to the Lord, but the church itself has divided and redivided over and over again. In Matthew 12:25, Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, "Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand." And boy, we need to learn this lesson in Galatians 5.15 in the church today. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another, we are destroying ourselves. You know, the forces without will never destroy the church. But we in the church are destroying ourselves because we're not preaching the gospel. We're not preaching what folks want to hear. Well, I'm not anyway, (laughs) but some are, and it creates division. We must learn to get along on matters of opinion. You know, I have opinions, try to keep them to myself, but but, uh, I've said before that it's okay for everyone in the congregation to have an opinion except the preacher. He better not have an opinion. And if, his, if he does have an opinion, it better be like everybody else's. And of course, that's impossible, isn't it? The world's watching us. John 13.35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one for another. I see people, especially through the uh, Internet today, members of the church, they just jump all over one another. They spread their garbage and their dirty laundry out there for everyone to see. And so, are we showing love one to another by doing that? Denominational views must be thrown out. And we must take only the Bible. Remember 2 Timothy 4.2. <clears throat> Preach the Word. There was a charge given to Timothy. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ... Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom? Preach the word. He said, Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall the heathen themselves, teachers having itching ears, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And that's exactly what... Is happening today. And so Paul's encouragement to Timothy was preach the Word. Preach the Gospel. That's what's going to keep us on the straight and narrow. But some say, well, we've got to keep our numbers. We need to say what they want to hear. Nobody's ever going to improve upon the Lord's church. There's a double lesson we find in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, husbands, how... They are to treat their wives but also with the love and concern that Christ has for his church it says husbands love your wives husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it the church he gave himself home at cross to purchase the church with his blood we saying there's power in the blood yeah that's the only place there's power in the blood but how do we come in contact with that blood through baptism he adds us to his church to his kingdom when that takes place. he goes on to say in Ephesians 5:26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it the church with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to him, to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. The only way it can be that, is to preach the Word, preach the Gospel. Paul said, I'm ready to preach the Gospel to you that are of Rome also, to everyone, he says. You know, 200 years pro- approximately, the church has has been in the what we refer to many times as the Restoration Movement. By the way, I had someone say to me not long ago, they were talking about the Christian church, and they said, well... It came out of the same movement that the Church of Christ did. I said, "Oh no, the Church of Christ began in uh, around 33 A.D. It didn't come out of a movement. Now the Christian church might have come out of a movement, but not the Lord's Church. But the restoration plea is something that must continue on and on and on. Many buildings are about half half filled on Sundays. There's no work programs in place and we ask what can we do? What can we do? This this covid virus is, you know, the devil is having a heyday. Well, I'm too scared to talk to people. I'm too scared to shake folks' hands. I'm too scared to do this. I'm too scared to do that. Same thing has happened in the past concerning the 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 bad neighborhoods. I remember one occasion uh, you might have been in school then, um, Paul. I don't think you came to Pike Road to knock doors, did you? No. Uh, we, uh, we had a group to come to Pike Road to knock doors. I hadn't been there very long. I didn't know the area very well. But I knew where things were, and I said, well, we'll go off in this area. We came back and began to give a report of where we'd been and knock doors, and I began to get the funny looks. I said, you shouldn't have gone over there. I said, why? Because that's a bad neighborhood. I said, yeah, I noticed that. There were guys sitting on the porch, and I don't know what they were doing. I'm sure it was, they were not to no good. But uh, they said, what are you doing over here, boy? I said, we're inviting people to a gospel meeting. They said, well, good, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so they became, rather than a hindrance, they became our protectors, so to speak. We knocked on the doors. Now, there are places I'm afraid to go. If I'd have known that, I probably wouldn't have gone there. But, you know, we, we have the devil working it in every kind of directions from us. Think how few people in the United States or in my city or community know Christ in His church as He gave it in the first century. I mentioned the other day in, a, in one of the lessons that I never heard the term obey the gospel till I was 21 years old. I never heard of the church of Christ till I was 21 years old. Never, ever had I heard it. First time I heard this statement, there's one, only one church that you can read about in the Bible, I laughed out loud. I thought, you got to be kidding me. Who are these people? Well, now I are one. <laughs> there is only one church that you can read about in the Bible. And it's the one that is going to be delivered up to the father in the end. Jesus said in John 8:32, you shall know the truth, and the truth will do what? The truth will make you free. Nothing else but the truth. We need the truth. I often think of the statement that I've heard from others concerning the nation of Israel that uh, when they were wandering in the wilderness and and even after they got into the land of Canaan, they were they were referred to like a yo-yo. You know, it was up and down. They were on God's side. They were not on God's side. For God and against God. Just back and forth. And I believe that's the way the church is going. But you know, I think we're close to people wanting the truth again. So don't suppress it. Continue to preach it. You know, uh, the Think of how few are committed to taking the gospel to others. We must become more effective and more zealous in the teaching and teaching others. That attitude of we tried that before and it won't work. Or it didn't work. I mean, they're basically saying it won't work now. It'll work. We were talking about evangelistic evangelism programs the other day and and uh we have to realize that there's no magical program because I think anything that teaches the truth if you will work it it will work it doesn't matter your method it will work as long as you preach the gospel and people will obey the gospel someone has said that and this is discouraging that we look at, and when we begin to look at how many of our children we baptized and that we're not keeping even 50% of our own children, that hurts. 50, less than 50%. And so, not even half of our children remain faithful. I wish these kind of statistics were wrong, but because it's so close to home, but they're not wrong. How many of us have children out there now that? Maybe they have obeyed the gospel in the past, but they—they're not faithful. They—they're not interested in the church anymore. That hurts. It—it it, it ought to cause us to—to to realize the seriousness. If more people, if we reach more people, if we're going to reach more people, we—we we need to be shaken and brought to our knees and. And I think that might be what's taking place right now in our, our country. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we'd get out there and preach the gospel. We would evangelize like we've never evangelized before. I ask this serious question. How effective have I been this past year in evangelism? The last month, how many have I invited to this, this gospel meeting? Well, most of us would bow our heads and say, no one. I haven't asked anyone. I don't know when I've talked to anyone. I don't know when I've had a Bible study. I don't know when I've had a Bible study. You ask people to study the Bible, and look at you like, why? I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I don't need to study the Bible. Ask them anyway. Invite them over and over and over and over and over again. How dedicated am I as a leader? Do I want to be a leader? You know, we need to start raising our our young boys to grow up and want to be elders in the Lord's church and preachers of the gospel. So many today can tell you the statistics of of uh, baseball players and football players and golfers and basketball and. They can name everybody on a team and you ask them, well, who are the twelve apostles? The who? You know, our teaching programs are important. We need to realize the importance of our teaching programs. It's not just filling uh, approximately 45 to 50 minutes of time in Bible class. It's to get those children to learn. To learn to love the Lord's church. To learn to stand up and preach the Word. But the last question I want to ask, am I ready to preach the Gospel, preach the Word? We need more and more folks. And again, let me say, you might not be a preacher that stands here in the pulpit like this, but you can make sure that I preach what I'm supposed to preach and you can call me out if I don't. And that will make me get on my toes or get out of the pulpit one or the other. And that's, We don't need folks in the pulpit that won't straighten up. If you're not a Christian, you can obey the Gospel tonight through faith, repenting of your sins, confessing His name before Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ and the Son of God. Be baptized to wash away your sins. That's what Acts 22.16 says. And rise to walk that new life. Be faithful to Him. If the Lord should come tonight, would He find you faithful to Him? If you've wandered away, if you need to respond to the invitation in any way, come as together we stand and sing.